This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. going on guys this is rob carbone coming at you with episode 103 of bd4 where there is no better way to get your yankees and knicks analysis tonight we had a great time with um a friend of the show with a diehard a long-term diehard yankees fan mikey v mike's a jersey italian yankees fan that's you know just as Yankee as you can get. It was a great time we had tonight. Um, you know, Mike's a hardcore fan. I, I follow the guy on Twitter. He follows the blog, and I respect his opinion. He's he's one of those straight-up, get-to-the-point, no-bullshit kind of guys, and that's why I like him because he's got that very similar approach to things like myself. But me and Mike had a great conversation tonight about just the state of baseball in general. We talked about the New York Yankees and their odds at winning. Um, you know, we kind of mixed it up and talked a bunch of, about a whole lot when it came to to uh, the Yankees and baseball in general. So we had a good time tonight. It was fun. We talked for about 45 minutes, so it's going to be a little bit longer of an episode tonight. But guys, you can subscribe to BD4 on all the different platforms we have. You know, just go to my website. You know the rules. The link's in the description. Um or if you're watching the podcast, it's up on the screen. And guys, let's head right into the video. Uh, real quick, before we head into the video, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right in. All right. Hey guys, just want to make sure if you haven't yet, please go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. Once again, go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. There should be a little option called Outlets on that front page. Click on Outlets, and that will take you to a page that displays all of my information. My social media outlets, how to subscribe to my blog, and how to subscribe to my podcast on the many different platforms we have. So once again, guys, go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. All right, guys. So I'm here at my uh, I'm here at diehard Yanks fan, Mikey V. Uh, 
Hey, Colin, Mike, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I know we've been trying to get you on for a little bit, but um, I appreciate thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, but my my friend, you're uh, you're a great follow. Oh, I, absolutely, man. I like I like following you on on Twitter because you know, you say how the fuck it is. You don't you're not one of them fans who fucking dance around things, and you you say you you're right to the point. You don't mess around, man. And I like that. I'm I'm all for that. You know what it is when you get fucking old, you don't have any time to waste. You know, so you know I sound like a bitter old get off get get off my lawn guy, but. I just want to see him win, and you know, I just say it like it is. Right, man. That's that's the mentality to have as like a as a New York Yankees fan, and I feel like everybody should have that mentality. Um, you don't find that often, but um, it's it's tough because you know we're gonna have to wait a little bit, and this whole thing with I want to know your thoughts on this Arizona proposal. You know, I, I um, you know, I was on a podcast earlier in the week. You know, here's the way I look at it. Um, I am a purist. I, I don't like what Manfred's trying to do with changing, change, changing the game, speeding it up. Um, but I think this is a very s- special circumstance. You know, America is uh, The country is locked down. I mean, sports fans all over the world, gamblers. I mean, we literally have nothing to do. I mean, it's, it's tough. I got to be honest. I am not into music or art or other things. I don't read much. You know, baseball's my thing. Sports is my thing. And, and without something to follow, something to talk about, something to tweet, you know, right. I find the entire process that much more difficult. So, ultimately, I am very for it. Um, you know, some of the moving parts about it, um, some of the, you know, changes of the game, the seven-inning thing, you know, it may not be optimal, but Really, right now, Rob, if I had a game to tune in, I wouldn't give a shit if it was the Yankees, the A's, or the Royals. I would tune it in, and I would feel normal. And I think the country needs it. So, does it interfere with the purity of the game? You know, I've heard some arguments, well, you know, how's it going to affect the season? And who's going to get to the playoffs? And if whoever wins this whole thing... It, is it real? Is it not? Honestly, I don't really give a fuck. Like, yeah. I like, need something to do. I need something to follow. I need something to react to. I need something to text my cousin about. I want to tweet something that you, Rob, disagree with me on. And for 10 minutes, we'll go back and forth. Right now, that's why I think the Arizona proposal makes sense. Forget about all the X's and the O's and the details. Right, what, what's your thought? I no, I kind of agree with you. I mean, I think if they can make it happen, go for it. Um, I do think it's a little bit boomer bust where it can be very, very beneficial for the game. But if it doesn't pan out, it could be a little bit reckless. Um, you know, there are some pros to cons to each side, obviously. But you know, the double header thing. Um, there's the risk of you know, it's a contagious disease, uh, virus, obviously. So if somebody gets sick, does this affect you know other people, players, family members, uh, hotel staff, bus drivers? So there's that risk, um, you know. But overall, I think it would benefit because, you know. And I, I was listening to your pod uh, to to the podcast you were on the other day, and you made a good point, or somebody did. They said, um, they said there's nothing else on TV right now, so, you know, having something like you know putting on a baseball game and there's nothing else on, I think sports fans in general are just going to tune in right away. No, I agree. Like, listen, 
if there was anything else to do, right. I think the I think the negatives may have a, a bit more weight to it. But I mean, this is this is new territory. You know, give us something to do. Give us something to follow. I also think it's an opportunity for the game. You know, right now, if they put on games, they have they have the stage to themselves. You know, I'm 49. I have an 18 year old and a 14 year old. They're not like huge baseball fans. They think it's slow. You know, they they more they'd rather watch LeBron. Well, you know what? Right now, they're doing nothing, and maybe they sit down, watch a game, see something spectacular, and say, you know what? Yeah, this is pretty cool. You follow? Oh, I definitely agree, man. It would definitely attract some, again, some of just sports fans or just people who need something to do. It would be huge for that. Um, so I think, you know, if they can make it happen, go for it, man. There's no harm in that if, if you're just going to make it happen. I think there's a shot. It could really work. Um, obviously, it's going to be a little bit awkward with the no crowd thing. That's always a little weird for me. But, yeah, I don't know. Because I, I wasn't it a couple years ago when... The riots were happening in uh, fucking uh, Baltimore. They played with no crowd. That was very awkward to watch. Yeah. It was. But, you know, again, this, this, this time in our country is unlike any other. You know, I, 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 think, I think we would be able to deal with some of the oddities of it. Again, just to sit down and do something normal. I mean, place a bet on a game. Talk about it. I, I mean, I'm craving it. And I think the positives ultimately, you know, outweigh the negatives. Yeah, I, I think it, it could. It has a chance to work. Um, uh, real quick, uh, this episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is a free podcast hosting platform that distributes your podcast for you. It is for free, and they will even pay you for recording a podcast, just like myself for reading an advertisement. It's convenient. You can do it on your phone, your tablet, on the computer. Download the app or go to anchor.fm. Uh, Mike, I didn't want to talk about that whole thing too much. Um, I want to get right into it right now because I know you're, you've got some big opinion on on this Yankees team as a unit, and I very much yep. agree with a lot of your takes. Um, so if there is a season, and if we do, you know, play enough games down the line, I want to hear your thoughts on this current core and their chances to to succeed this this season, and obviously success in the Bronx is winning a fucking World Series championship. Yeah, that's the thing. So I I think I'm harsher than most. Again, I started watching the Yankees in 1978. Honestly, my first true memory is the Bucky Dent game. I think it's October 2nd, 1978. My dad let me stay home. This huge Yankee fan. Great day. And uh, so I grew up seeing, you know, the George Steinbrenner years, you know, things he did well, things he didn't do so well. But at the end of the day, I grew up on the win or nothing. You know, the 100-win seasons are cool, uh, but... It's not enough for me, you know. Like I understand you can't win every year. You gotta make runs. You gotta make it exciting. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Listen, this particular group of Yankees, supremely talented. I mean, we can go around the diamond. There's a load of talent. They they're in they're in as good a position to win as anyone else. Where I worry is the teams that I grew up on, the '70s team, even some of the '80s that didn't win, certainly the dynasty years, um, you know, they, they had they had intangible type things. You know, they had grit. They had Don Mattingly. They had Bernie Williams. They had Derek Jeter, Paul O'Neill, Thurman Munson, Reggie Jackson, guys that thrive in the biggest spotlight. 
and, and although I realize this team is uber talented, I worry about guys like Stanton and Sanchez, and even to a lesser degree, Judge. Like when the lights are brightest in New York with this tradition, that's when you have to come come through. I get a hundred wins, and I get I get having fun and smoke machines. I get it, but at a certain time, at a certain point, if you want me to be fanatical. If you want me to buy three hundred dollar jerseys and really become endeared to this team, you gotta fucking win. And right. so this is now year four, kind of this right. core. And honestly, my favorite part of this entire run was the twenty seventeen Gutty Yankees with. Uh, and listen, I fucking hated Headley. I Ellsbury's my all time worst Yankee. All right, that team was crappy. It, it played hard. It, it overcame expectations. It really set me up for an exciting run. And since then, you know, 2018 was an embarrassment. You know, 2019 didn't live up to it. So, uh, of course, I love Derek Cole and what we're looking at here. But, hey, this is year four now. It's, time, it's really time to stamp who this team is because... 100 wins and, and, and great talent is one thing. Time to fucking win. I, I think you bring up a couple of good points there. Um, I do want to point out, I, I agree with you when you say, you know, we're four years into this process and we're, we're still kind of talking about what if, what if, what if. You know, exactly. there's got to be a point, in, there's got to be a point in time where we're actually hitting that fucking ceiling. And right now, we're still coming up short. Um, it shouldn't be that 2017 was the farthest they got. That shouldn't be how it's happening. But, Obviously, and you also brought up how talented they are, but I think a big part to having a World Series championship team, it's not just about talent. I think it's more about having the right fit. And yeah. do the Yankees exactly, do they really have the best fit? Is that lineup exactly fit to succeed in the postseason? Is that rotation deep enough to go six, seven innings when you need them in the, in October? And I'm not so sure it is because, you know, you have a bunch, you know, I look at having Gary Sanchez, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge in one lineup may scare the shit out of you in, in the regular season. They may hit their home runs, but come the postseason, having a bunch of guys who rely on hitting home runs, who don't make a lot of contact, that's always going to bite them in the ass, and once again, it did. Rob, uh, I, I can't agree with you more, honestly. and it, it would probably be a better podcast if I disagreed, but bottom line is, over the course of 162 games, these guys, they're awesome power, the numbers are going to be there because ultimately, you know what? They play a lot of games in July against Kansas City, you know, versus 33-year-old journeyman relievers who are throwing meatballs. They face it enough, and the numbers will be there. The team's going to hit 335 home runs. They're going to win 100 games. But it's all about October. It's all about the ability to focus when the lights are, the, are brightest, when the pitching's the best. And I have to be honest with you, with Judge Stanton – and Sanchez, two, three, four, however you want to put them in the lineup. Justin Verlander toys with them. You know, uh, guys who know how to pitch and, and who think through the at-bats, really the, uh, uh, the core of the lineup is easy to retire. And, and, and you know what? It's really, really difficult to win, you know, over the gauntlet of the postseason with the meat of the lineup really being easy to retire. You know, give me a guy like DJ LeMayhew, who, by the way, I'll be the first one to say, when they, I didn't see a lot of Colorado Rockies games, you know, they gave him this contract, 
And he, I wasn't excited when they signed him, but when I had a chance to see him play every day, grind out at bat by at bat by at bat, watch all around player contact, two strike approach. That's the guy who's going to win in October. And what I worry about is the fact that they don't have enough of them. They, they, they just right. don't. Right. And, and everybody's talented. So Judge, I think, is a cerebral hitter. I, you know, I think he's a smart hitter. You know, every at-bat's 3-2. So I, I do trust him in big spots. Danton and Sanchez. I mean, once the pitcher gets, you know, ahead in the count, it's, it's over. I mean, it's over. And I don't know how a team uh, gets through the gauntlet of the playoffs, you know, with their big stars being so, uh, so inefficient. No, you, you hit the nail on the head, and yeah, I, I do. I do have to agree because it's just. And the, the annoying part is these guys have been hyped up so much. We've heard about Gary Sanchez since he was what fucking seventeen years old in, in their system. We've heard about you know, Giancarlo's getting paid you know twenty five thirty million a year, and so it's the expectations that's the the biggest letdown here. Just you know, Gary Sanchez was once a guy who you could actually rely on a little bit a little bit at the plate because he was that guy who can make contact and or he'll settle for the single the other way a couple of years ago at least. But now it seems he fell in love with the home run and you know, Jean Carlos is the same type of hitter and it just it it's not gonna work. Those two, those three in that same lineup, I don't think that's ever going to work. And you look at a trend here, there's a little bit of a trend going on that I've been noticing. Guys like Torres, who make contact enough and who hit the ball on a high clip. Guys like LeMahieu, even Urshela, they hit well like that in the, in the regular season, and that translated into postseason success for those three. Guys who were on the home run, same thing. They were slumping in the in the postseason. It's there's a little bit of a trend here. It's 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 something that I don't see changing unless the Yankees make some big changes. But I know Brian Cashman likes his power, and I don't really know what you could do at this point to to address these flaws. See, so, so I'm an old school guy, and right. uh, I don't completely discount analytics. I, I think they are important. I think, I think in player evaluations they're important. I think in contract, you know, uh, decisions they're important. But here's the problem: I think Cashman relies too much on it. So, yeah, the slugging percentage, the OPS, it's all good collectively on the team. But as you said, um, it, it matters when. You know, over the course of a long season, the analytic numbers are going to be there. They are. But during the course of, of, of a very short season, postseason, it's all about adjustment. You know, it's all about it's all about battling it bat by it bat by it bat, not giving them away. And I'm going to be honest with you, the, the core of this lineup, is, I mean, they just give it away. I mean, again, I understand baseball is a game of failure. I get it. I do. You're not gonna you're not gonna be successful forty percent of the time. I get it. Gary Sanchez is up against a, a you know seventh inning or later power slider reliever. He has no chance. I mean, he he walks up. And, and I'm a big observer. I'm a sales guy. I deal with people all my life. I observe body language. I have a feel for it. I believe. You know, he gets down in the count, and I look at it. I say he's he's done. He gets it up. You know, it's one-two. The whole stadium knows a meatball slider in the dirt's coming, and he's swinging. He simply doesn't adjust. Pitchers are smart, and he's one of the easiest guys to get out. Now, listen, when he first came up, 2016, he blew my mind. He was a young guy. 
he had great, great body language. He had great energy. I saw the arm. I saw the home runs. I saw the, you know, hitting, you know, going up the middle, going to the right side. I don't know where that player went. So I don't know whether he fell in love with the home run. I don't know if Cashman is, is, is touting the home run too much. I don't know if he has personal problems. All I know is Gary Sanchez in the prime of his career right now is nothing like the kid he was three years ago. And I smack my head. I just don't get it. And, you know, he's not that great behind the plate either, so you can't really make the argument that at least he's great defensively because he's not. If anything, he's he's average. He's mediocre behind the plate. You know, his arm is strong, but it's very wild at times. Um, he can't fucking move. He's slow. You know, when it goes to side-to-side blocking, he's very slow. He's not the most agile. So he doesn't really impact the game other than when he's running into a fastball every couple of games. You know, every couple, you know, once or twice a week or whatever. And... You know that again. That's an issue. We, we've talked about it, but I, I just hope that just losing somebody like Roman to me, honestly, that killed me the most because I felt like Roman was a good backup. But now, when the inevitable comes and Gary goes on the DL, which we know he probably will pull something eventually, we don't really have a good backup to to rely on either. You know, the roster construction is you know for all the money they spent, and I didn't have a lot of credit. I did the three twenty four for Cole. I didn't even see coming. He stepped up big time, and I'm real excited about it. But at the end of the day, like you said, Gary Sanchez may play, best-case scenario, 120 games. You know what? It's, it's probably like 98, let's face it, because between the rest rotation and the two or three times he gets put on, on the DL. And, and by the way, I think he gets put on the DL sometimes for physical issues. I think he lacks focus, and I oh, think sure. for a while, I, I, I'm telling you, you know, I think, because he'll have a play where he doesn't hustle, right, and there's some negative press, and Twitter's exploding, and the next day, he goes on the 10-day IL. I think that 10-day IL is a mental break, because I think he's overwhelmed with the, you know, very big job of being, you know, the catcher and the leader of the New York Yankees, and you know what? I don't know how you win with that. Right. I mean, I've seen him, I've seen this four or five times, Rob. Nobody on base. He drops the one. He's, he, he wants a fastball, okay? He, start, he starts setting up outside for a slider. The fastball comes, it goes to the backstop. He, yep. he forgets what sign he put down. I mean, listen, listen, I'm not perfect, but listen, I can fucking remember what I just told you a second ago. You follow? I think he gets lost in the game. I agree. I, it's a lot of it is mentality, and he brings that lazy mentality both to the plate and behind the plate as well. It's and he's not the only. I don't want to keep dogging on him, but you know, there's there's a couple holes on, in on this roster. Um, what do you think about this whole third base scenario? Do you think Urshela was a, you know beneficial of, of more of a product of the juice balls, or is he somebody who you think can repeat? Well, um, so this is tough because similar like Luke Voigt a year ago. I think you need to see it again. Um, I, listen, I like I like Geo's plate appearance, uh, plate approach. Um, I do like his defense. I, I do think it's a bit of an, an of an anomaly. How old is he? Is he 28, 29? He's upper twenties. Yeah, something like that. He's not a kid, so no. you know he's going to have to prove it to me that this is legit. But here here's the thing: I'm watching baseball a long time. You know, and listen, I like Miguel Andahar. He, he looks like a good kid. 
He certainly can hit. He's a doubles machine. Yeah. He's the worst fielding third baseman, <laughs> literally, I've ever seen. And it's funny. I, I get in arguments with guys on Twitter. Oh, Derek Jeter had 30 errors his first year, and Andahar had 16. Listen, you oh, It's not about the errors. The guy doesn't get to baseballs. His, his feet are one of the slowest feet I've ever seen. So it's not a question of the throwing errors or the, or the mistakes that's going to happen over the course of the season. He doesn't get the baseballs. Like, like routine move to your left, move to your right ground balls become base hits like 30 and 40 times over a season, and that adds to lots of runs, and, you know, you can't have that, especially in the playoffs. So, like, my answer is, you got to leave Gio there. Honestly, if, if Gio is a 250 hitter who right. gets up base 325 yep. and hits 16 home runs, Play that but, defense. but fields the position, leave yep. him there. You know, Here's the thing. The the worst thing about this roster is Mike Stanton. Uh, gee, I call him Mike because you know I'm just I'm an asshole. No, I like it. Like take 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 the 24 22 million you have invested in Stanton and 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 redistribute it somewhere else. Make Miguel Andahar a full time DH. This team's unstoppable. I mean it is. If you just told Miguel Andahar, listen, son, you're gonna hit fifth. You're never going to touch a mitt in your life. Go out and just hit 50 doubles a year. I'm telling you, he's J.D. Martinez. Okay? But the fact that the fact that you have Stanton, who can't play the field anymore, he just can't. I mean, here's a guy, 29 years old. 29 is dead prime. He's a superstar. At least that's what they tell me. He missed an entire season without surgery or a broken bone. Which, which means there's something going on. It's mental. I, I have no idea. I don't care. For me to think that he's going to be a productive defender in left field going forward, it's stupid. So he's your DH. What do you do with Andahar? Like, what do you do? They're trying to make him a fucking utility guy, and I don't think that's going to work, man. <laughs> Just... you know what? It's, it's, it's ridiculous because a utility guy has quick feet. Right. Has, has defensive instincts. You know, Randy Velarde. I, I don't even know if people on the uh, on the on the on the on the on the podcast knows who he is. Randy Velarde doesn't have half of Andahar's natural ability to play anyway. Third, short, second, left field. Andahar's not that guy. He's not that guy. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's it's just very frustrating, man. I I don't know what they're going to do there, and then. It's, it's just, there's a lot of defensive issues really all around the diamond. Glaber Torres is kind of very sloppy out there. He loses focus a lot. Now he's going to switch to shortstop full-time. Um, I'm comfortable with LeMahieu at second, but I just feel like Torres at shortstop, I, I don't know, man. He's he's very lazy and kind of like Sanchez where he loses focus, and a lot of it is mental up there I on agree. both sides of the plate, really, to be honest with you, even at the plate. Here's why I love Glaber. He's still a baby. I mean, this kid at 22, you know, you can argue. Now, I, I don't, I'm not making this comparison. I'm not. But at 22, you know, his numbers are better than Jeter's. And he's not Jeter. But my point is, I'll live with Claver. You know, I'll live with him. I, I would like for him to mature. I would like for the light bulb in his brain to kind of turn on. I don't know if it is or it isn't. But at his age, 
and his production. He's a good kid, too. He's a married guy. Like, he's a good kid. I have tons more trust in a guy like Glaber than I do Gary, who, let's face it, he's not, he's not a baby anymore. You know, the time's now. What is he, 26 years old? You know, at that position, you know, you're old when you're 20. And, uh, you know, you're right. The around the diamond, there's a bunch of issues. And then you got fucking, um, what's his name? Is Frazier going to get a shot? What's going to happen there? Well, I, I think at this point they should just dish the guy somewhere else and try to find a partner for him and trade him. I mean, it's a team loaded with DHs. I mean, yeah, I think Frazier yeah. 500 at-bats. Honestly, the, the bat's quick. You know, he's aggressive. I think he could be a major league hitter. Uh, I've never seen a worse major league outfielder in my life. I mean, yeah. He, he makes the routine comedy. And, and people are like, well, he can get better, he can get better, he can get better. It's three years now, right? Three yeah, years. yeah, exactly. You can't hide him. So, you know, again, he'd be a great DH. So is Stanton. So is arguably Sanchez. So is Andahar. You know, like, and especially the way they treat rest. You know, the DH position really is like a resting area. You know, you want you want LeMayhew's bat in the lineup, but you want to DH him. Judge, let's face it, Judge is going to be 29 years old. He can't stay on the field. DH could potentially save him. Well, you know what? Now we're up to like five different guys who need to occupy the DH spot, and it just mathematically doesn't work. You know? So, right, and yeah. It's just, that's the thing, like with having all these, you can have all the talent in the world, but, you know, if you don't have a, you know, you have all these guys who can't play defense and you, you make a good point as well. When you say that people are telling us they can get better, they can get better, but we can't keep saying they can get better when we're in win now mode. We're not in a mode where we re, we are rebuilding. We're, we're supposed to be at that point where they're already better and we, we should have our shit figured out. And right now we're still scrambling all around trying to fucking find this, this perfect recipe. And the thing is the window, the window's closing because you know, these, these guys need to get paid, you know. I mean, Judge, say, and Judge is very, very confusing because he's a great guy. He's the face of the franchise. I'd love my sons to grow up to be as respectful as he is. He's going to be 29 years old, and he's a fantastic right fielder, but he's inconsistent at the plate. He doesn't play, and he's soon going to need to be paid. So if you can't win with Gary making 700000 with Judge making whatever he's making, you know, Gliber making nothing. You know, in a year or two, these guys need to get contracts. So if you can't win now, you know? Oh, of course, man. They're all going to be, you know, making... You know, when's Judge's uh, contract year? You know, a couple I, years I don't know. Um, I, I think he... Be, so, I think he becomes like a free agent like 31, which is not good for him. No. You know, because people don't like to pay people, you know, after 30, and I get it. But at the end of the day, some of these contracts have to come due. And, you know, again, 100-win seasons are one thing, but, fellas, it's time to win. You know, the other, thi the other thing I worry about, so I've been watching these teams forever. You know, teams always have, you know, what I call like the attack, you know, the Kirk Gibson, the Thurman Munsons, the guy that will just die to win, do anything. You know, Paul O'Neill used to beat up, you know, vending machines in the locker room because he's so bitter about a loss in August. 
Who on this team, where is that guy? Like, where is the guy, forget the smoke machines, forget the boom boxes, forget the championship belts, and all this millennial bullshit. Who's the guy who says, felon, shut the fuck up. This is the New York Yankees, okay? We've lost five in a row. Starting up, you asshole. I, I don't know who's in the room saying that. And I don't think it's Boone. I think Boone, I think Boone's done a nice job. He, he has. I question some of the things about Boone. You know, he keeps the room interested. You know, they've had so many injuries. I think Boone is decent, although I'm not a huge fan. Championship teams need dirty, I hate to say it, tough stuff. Nasty, nasty guys. I was waiting for that, man. They're just nasty guys who are like, fuck you, man. We want to win. Put that smoke machine away. I, I don't know who's on I don't know who on this team has that ability. I almost want to say DJ, but the guy's such a boy scout. You know, he's such a put his head down, he's do quiet. his job, hit his three twenty, hit great late postseason home runs. God, I love that guy. But he's not the guy who's gonna say, Hey Aaron, do me a favor, put the smoke put the smoke machine away tonight. All right, we we have a game tomorrow, right? But we're only two games up. It's September. Honestly, I worry about a lot of the intangibles kind of of this team. You know, CeCe's off the team now. Everybody looks to Gardner, and he's a leader, but you know what? He's not great. You know, I look at Gardner right now as very much a role player, and I, I just don't think it's enough, you know, to get these guys straightened out. I agree, um, and I do think Aaron Boone has been decent, but don't you think, like, a lot of that falls on the manager? Finding that 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 mentality, that hard on mentality. I think he. I know he had the whole fucking savage in the box shit, but I feel like he needs to be a little more. Sometimes he just doesn't show any fucking emotion out there, and it's it's frustrating to watch. Just there are multiple times, you know, throughout the season where he just doesn't argue any calls, and he should be out there firing up his team. Where I feel like Girardi would have brought in something like that, or some kind of you know some kind of passion mentality. I feel like needs to start from up top. So I, in my tweets, I always I always say the Yankees run a day spa. You know, everybody's happy. Everybody needs rest. Yeah. You know, I, I envision the locker room like everybody's like soaking their feet and, you know, lighting, you know, uh, you know, uh, candles. Just everything's happy. And you know, so I grew up with Billy Martin. OK, Billy Martin was a psychopath. He literally was. He was an alcoholic, complete sociopath. He was nuts. He thrived on controversy. He thrived on conflict. He loved the fact that Thurman and Reggie hated each other. I mean, he was nuts, but here's what he was. He was a great tactician, and he knew how to motivate players, okay? Billy Martin took over five teams, one of which was the Yankees. All five teams were terrible. I mean, he came aboard in 76. The 75 Yankees won like 84 games. He took over the Rangers. He took over the Tigers. He took over the Twins. Bad teams. His lifetime win percentage is 560. He knew how to put a foot up a player's ass. And I'm not sure Boone knows how to do that. Boone knows how to coddle. Everything will be okay. Give rest. Joe Girardi rode Gary Sanchez like a mule. He did he wrote him. He he knew he was a lazy player. He embarrassed them in the media. And you know what? That motivated Sanchez. And 2016 and 2017, Sanchez was almost a superstar. Boone comes in. 
He plays day spa manager. Gary, everything's going to be okay. Gary, you're hurt. Gary, you need a day off. Gary, 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 Gary. Gary hits 208. And I got people on Twitter telling me he's a great hitter. Listen, listen, guys. 208 with a fucking 305 on base percentage sucks. I don't care what error it is. He fucking sucks. And I think part of the problem is they let him just go. Gary, you know what? Tomorrow's another day. Right. Next week will be better. Fuck that. You know what? I said this on my last podcast. Fear fucking motivates. The reason why we all get out of bed in the morning is not because we want to be great, not because we want our boss to love us. We're fucking fearful. If we don't get to work, there's going to be consequences that's going to bust our balls. And Gary Sanchez and a lot of the rest of this team has no consequence. They're not a tough team. They're not. I've had people tell me, well, it's a, it's a new age athlete, and you have to be, you know, you have to, you have to coddle them. And, and they, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. Bill Parcells, I love him. Here's what he said. You don't fucking bust it, I'll cut your ass. And you know what? The guy won. Doesn't matter. Sports management is the same in 1942, 2020. It's the same. Everybody's fucking fearful. If, 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 they're, fear, if they're fearful and motivated, they will give, give their all. I'm not sure this team does. Oh, I, I love that, man. I love that. I think that's very much true. Listen, you think about in all sports, all of them, <laughs> football, baseball, the best coaches, they're all cocksuckers. They're all grumpy. They're all they're all miserable. They're, they all fucking give terrible, terrible press conferences. They're all negative. Bill Belichick, what do you think about next week? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think we're in trouble. You know, they're all in bad moods. You understand what I mean? Because fucking bad moods and fear-mongering wakes these fucking guys up. Bill Parcells is not, is not a fun guy to be around. Billy Martin was not a fun Earl Weaver, they, they, you don't want to have a beer with these guys. Because they'll kick your ass. And they kick athletes' ass to give their best. I'm not sure this new approach works. And you know what? You, you let me know when they win. And when they win, I'll shut the fuck up. Right. Right. And you're 100% spot on. And that's kind of one of the reasons why Girardi was tossed in the first place. Because he was, you know, quote-unquote, too hard on them or whatever it was. And that's just bullshit. This whole It's just heading in such a soft direction. And... Unfortunately, a lot of my generation just loves that type of shit. They're all for, you know, that there's another day ahead of you. They're all for that shit. And I just think it's going to keep heading that way, unfortunately. You know why? Because they joined joined the track team, right? They they finished 17th in the fucking 800-meter fucking dash, and they got a trophy three fucking foot high. That's the problem. It's it's more societal than your generation. I don't even blame your generation. You just grew up differently. When I fucking grew up, you won. That's it. That's it. You you won. The winners got a trophy, and everyone else got a fucking hot dog from their from their parents. And you learned what it's like to fucking win, and how and how important it is, and how elusive it is. The new generation, they're just happy to be there. I mean, honestly, like I don't even like how much this team smiles. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. And it's funny, I interact with so many people on Twitter. They're like, oh, they're having fun. The, sm- the fucking smoke machine. Listen, if I was the manager, honestly, I would fucking blow that smoke machine up. I, I would say, listen, guys, grow up. This is a fucking business. This is New York. This is the Yankees. You fucking win. When you win, I'll bring it back out. I mean, come on. 
such a joke, dude. It's such a fucking joke. That smoke shit. Um, what do I want to talk about? Uh, we talked about the lineup. We talked about all around the diamond. Real quick, I just want to hear your thoughts on, on the Garrett Cole signing. Do you think it was overpay? Do you think it's something that's going to pan out? Um, how do you I think? Mean, what do you think about it? Listen, again, I think I think three hundred twenty-four million dollars for anybody. Anybody, yeah. Overpay. I mean, the contract at the end at the end is not going to be good. I mean, it's just it's 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 going it's not going to be good. Right. However, I'm a win. You know, I'm an old guy. I want to win now. I'm not worried about nine years from now. What I'll say is this: I was very impressed that Hal, who I questioned about his ability to really invest. You know, if you look at the percentage of revenue to, to, to payroll, the Yankees are like in the bottom five. I mean, they're spending like 27, 29 percent, you know, percentage revenue to, to, to payroll, and that really pissed me off. And I think it pissed off a lot of fans, especially the prices that they charge. I was very impressed that he stood up and and, and made this signing. I, I think it's going to be a very, very good early part of the contract. Um, so I'm for it. I mean, it's not my money. You know, you and I, when you have kids, you'll be older. I'm 60 years old. In 10 years, we'll get back on a podcast, and I'll tell you how terrible it was. But right now, I mean, I, I, I love the guy. He's got great stuff. He's got great makeup. You can tell he wants the ball. There's no way in the world he's going to get there and, and, and shit his pants at Yankee Stadium. So um, the fact that it's not my money, I give him a lot of credit. I do. You know, is it nine or is it nine years or ten? I think it's nine. All right, nine sure. years for I think he's twenty nine. Ultimately, yeah. ultimately like in ten years, Rob, you and I are going to talk about it. And if they win two or three World Series, and the last three years of it is terrible. We'll take it. Absolutely. And it's something they need right now because you don't have that clear-cut ace outside of him. I don't, you know, Luis Severino to me, that's, it's he's, listen, he's a talented kid, but what is, how many seasons is he? What, six seasons in and he hasn't really been that number one yet. So and, I think we needed it. And you won't, you won't see Luis Severino for a long, long. Oh. I, so I remember when he signed that deal for four for 40. I thought yeah. like, huh? I, I honestly, I was surprised when he signed it because I'm thinking, you know, he can make that in arbitration in a couple of years. Um, here's what I think: I think he, I think he was feeling sh- shoulder, you know, issues when he signed that deal. You know, I, I think he thought he wasn't right, uh, and I think he signed it. I, th- I think Cashman m- made a mistake there because four for forty, four for forty. Four for 40 was uh, a little high. I mean, I'm sorry, a little too club friendly. And uh, I think Cashman made a uh, made a mistake there. But it's tough. You know, we could say the same thing about this, too. You know, I, I think Cashman is a little too, you know, AAV obsessed. You know, he looks at picks thinking, oh, you know, seven for 70, you know, $10, $10 million. That's a bargain. You know, switch hitter, plays good defense, good guy. I get it. But listen, the day they announced that, we all said the same thing. He's never going to play. I mean, I mean, right. he's, he's not going to play. And you know what? He's not going to play. So, you know, I, Cashman is another guy I have, I have an issue with. But it is what it is. I think you're right. Because you know, a lot of the deals that Cashman has made are really based off of potential and not necessarily based off resume. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Or eyeballs. You know, yeah, I, right. I, you know, analytically, analytically, Hicks is a great player. 
right? Switch hitter, good defensively, gets on base. If you just looked at, you know, a notepad with all of his analytics, Aaron Hicks, 7 for 70, looks like the bargain of the century. And then you talk to a guy like me, who, who's seen all of his at-bats, who knows his injury history, who knows what these players kind of do. And I, if I was this consultant, I'd be like, yeah, uh, right. It, it all looks good on paper, but this guy's not going to stay healthy. I mean, at, at a certain point, you have to use your gut, your instincts, and your eyeballs. And I'm not sure he does that enough. You follow? Absolutely. And I think you, you mentioned it earlier, too. You know, I'm not against analytics either. I just think there needs, like you said, there needs to be that balance where you're using a little bit of both. You're not too far old school. You're not too new school. There just needs to be that balance where you know what you're doing. You have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and that to me gets you a World Series. That to me can get the Yankees true success in the end. Here's what I would do. If I own the team, I, I'm, I'm being honest, here's what I would do. I would get a manager I have Maybe it's true, maybe. But I would also have literally a hundred thousand goes by his gut, by his to the guy I ultimately, you know, left in charge, and that's the blank Don Zimmer instinct and the last with a with a real supreme leader process at all, that's the way I there's no perfect plan, but I need a plan. And to ignore, you know, the eyeball test but with signing of Aaron Hicks, I think they completely ignored, you know, the eyeball test. Because listen, I'm an amateur. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I just watch this stuff very, you know, very religiously. They signed that deal. I said he's not going to play. And you know what? He's not going to play. I'm not taking any credit. It's the easiest call of all time. And now they have a guy who, uh, who who's a lot, you know, he's jamming up the, the you know, the roster. And, and it forces now, what's Garden, 37 years old? You know, how how well do you think he's going to continue? You know, so so the, so so the Hicks decision has, you know, future, you know, effects and ramifications. And now if you think about this outfield, think about it. This is a $240 million roster. Look at this outfield. I mean, if, if Judge is not healthy, and who knows? I mean, this outfield is terrible. It's not good. Hoffman, right? Uh, Gardner, Frazier. I mean, Andahar is an experiment. I mean, it's not good. It's one of those, like, uh, one of those high, uh, what's it called? Low floor, high ceiling outfields where it could just go either way and it could be a disaster or work out very well um mike i think that's pretty much it um i don't know if you have anything else to add but you know a lot we're about 45 minutes in great you know i uh i I respect you i I, I love your follow and i had so much fun on the podcast i did a couple of days ago i'm stuck in this quarantine and and if you know anything about me i'm high energy i'm not doing really well stuck in this house so, uh, you know, I, pre- I, re- I actually reached out to you asking you, and I appreciate you getting me on because you uh, you, you let me pass some time, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had fun. And, and honestly, when, when the games start up, shoot me a DM. I'll come on anytime. Definitely got to have you on again, man. It's good to have another Jersey Italian Yankee fan with me here, man. Totally, totally, totally. Who knows? Summit's mm-hmm. close. You and I get a drink sometime. 
Yeah, man, definitely. That was hey. Hopefully, we can win it all, man. I, I'm I'm excited, but you know, we always got to go into it with a little bit of caution. But hopefully, we can get some fucking baseball this year, man. Because I'm just, it's just a waiting game from here on out, though. We got to see what happens. Keep your fingers crossed. Stay healthy. Wash your hands. Best to your family. And I'll see you on my timeline. All right, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, buddy.